Hi, everybody. This is Ron Richards, um, a teacher at Plum High School in suburbia Pittsburgh, former high school basketball coach, and this is Dingo Talk. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. You want to know. You want to know. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest this week is former Plum basketball coach Ron Richards, now PIA official. I'm still teaching at Plum. Coach Richards, how are you? Good, Carlo. Great to be with you. And I have to, for my Plum people out there, for those of you that remember this, this is the commander-in-chief of Richards Army. So if you never identified the face of Richards Army, there it is right there. We we went to war for this guy in the student section. I will promise you that. This, um, is, a fa- this is a face for radio, not, not live TV, though. But, uh, I have the same problem, but I keep putting myself on camera. That's uh, somebody's got to somebody has to get that into my head. So, yeah. um, so coach, we're gonna do this the way we do every week. I'm gonna we're gonna start uh, Elderton High School, which is part of the Armstrong County Schools, right? Correct. Then you transferred to Apollo Ridge. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. did you transfer? What what happened there? Why why the transfer? Well, uh, Elderton was a you know a really small you know, rural school. And so is Apollo Ridge. And the biggest reason was Elderton didn't offer uh, football. And, you know, I, I had been, you know, I had wanted to play high school football and we had looked at a couple of the neighboring schools at that time, Indiana Catanning. And I actually had my aunt who was the business manager at Apollo Ridge and uh, decided to go to Apollo. And that was back in the day when you could do a little bit of transferring and you know, we had to go through the whole WPL hearing thing and all that kind of stuff, but it was basically so I could have the opportunity to play football. So, and you graduated from Apollo Ridge in 1982? One. 81. Where, so you go from Apollo to Alliance. Right. Why Alliance? Well, it's actually, I did the three college tour. I always laugh. I went to Baldwin Wallace my freshman year. Uh, you know, I played basketball. Um, I always tell people like, you know, our generation, we all played football, basketball, baseball. And then if you were fortunate enough, you picked, you know, if you were fortunate enough and you got an opportunity to play in college and you took the, you know, whatever your sport was. And I loved basketball and I had the opportunity to go to uh, Baldwin Wallace my freshman year. Uh, I loved it there. Basketball part of it. I got a little discouraged. So I decided to transfer to Alliance College, which was a uh naia school back in the day in the same conference like today with westminster st vincent waynesburg was really good back mm-hmm. then those types of schools and it was just an opportunity to play basketball and i i, I just i jumped on that opportunity now do you, when you leave alliance do you <laughs> do you go and play basketball at iup as well or is that no i was done I, no i I, I was done. I had all, I used up my eligibility at Alliance um, and I had the opportunity to go to IEP um, at that, at that time, closer back to home and that, and get into the coaching part of things. That was where um, Tom Beck, Tony Bernardi, Tom was the head coach at the time and uh, kind of looking at a couple of different options. There were some opportunities to uh, possibly go overseas and play at the time, but uh, kind of got to started to get the coaching bug and, uh, Coach Beck and uh, Coach Bernardi were my first opportunity to jump into the uh, uh, coaching side of things. So, obviously, you get into coaching for the the fact mm-hmm. that there's a pure love of the game. Without is that, doubt. the only thing that factored in, or did you? Was it more or less wanting to be around the like you weren't ready to walk away from being around the game? So mm-hmm. then, coaching became the obvious next choice. 
Yeah, I would, I would say, you know, you know, for me, basketball, you know, was, you know, that was kind of my everything as a kid. Like, you know, everybody talks about, you know, where's their, you know, the, their favorite place to be for me. It was, it's always been the gym or outside on a court. Um, and I wasn't quite sure when I was done playing, if, if coaching was going to be in my future, but I knew I wanted to at least explore that. And once I did jump into that and get the opportunity at IUPA, I, I, I was hooked. I knew that's what I wanted to do from, from that moment moving forward. It was just a matter of, was I going to go the college route and, and, and continue down that road um, or work my way into the high school ranks? And, uh, you know, eventually it was the high school ranks and it was, it, it worked out great for me. When 23 years, you, you ended up coaching, correct? Yeah. As a head coach. Yeah. Now, before the 17 years of Plum, where was out of IUP? Where was your next coaching job? Done at IUP. Um, and then I did a JV coaching. I had, it was a JV coach at uh, Purchase Line High School, uh, where I did my student teaching. From there, I worked with uh, Paul Holshue at Franklin Regional as Paul's JV coach. And then was lucky, got my first head coaching job uh, at Armstrong High School. It was the original merger of Armstrong, containing Ford, Sydney, and East Brady. Unfortunately, it only lasted two years, the merger. I was there for the second year of it. Went to Apollo Ridge for a couple of years um, as the head coach there, back to where I graduated from. And then um, we, we were very fortunate there, had some success there, and got offered the uh, job at Redland High School uh, in District 3 in, right near Harrisburg. And then came to Plum in the 98-99 school year was my first year at Plum. Now, how would you describe yourself as a coach? What are the what are the strengths that you have? Let's go with your your strengths. What are the strengths that you feel you have as or had as a coach? I don't have. Um, you're still a coach. I I would say you know I, I like to think that my work ethic. You know we we certainly put the time in. You know I I was always drawn to schools that um, didn't have success. You know I never took. You know I had opportunities. You know you know every place I had been, including, you know, a few different times at Plum, probably to take jobs that were, would have been a lot easier, but I liked, you know, I liked the challenge, you know, I liked to go places where they hadn't had a whole lot of success and see if we could turn things around. So I, I would say my strengths were, you know, work ethic, um, put the time in, always willing to continue to learn. Um, you know, I thought, you know, I, I would try new things. I mean, we had a basis and foundation for what we like to teach you know, at each of the schools that I was at, but I was always trying to, you know, go to clinics, go to people's practices, take our staffs to all the local college practices. We'd go to clinics, constantly trying to, to learn more. So I think, you know, adapting to, the, you know, year in and year out to the type of team that you'd have in high school because, you're, you know, you can't recruit. Um, and I think those were probably the strengths for the most part. Now, I understand the coaching side was teaching always the goal as well. Were you always going to kind of go down that road of wanting to be a teacher? Yeah, I think so. Because I think, you know, once I started working with, you know, high school age, uh, you know, kids, you know, I, I liked them and probably, you know, the most influ influential people I had in my life were my teachers and my coaches in my life. Um, you know, those were the people that, you know, I spent the most time with, you know, outside of my mom, um, but they had big influences on my life. And I just thought that that was something that, that I wanted to be, you know, that I would 
would want to do. And I thought I could do a good job at it and, and maybe impact, you know, young people. And, and that's why I chose the profession. I'm retiring in five weeks. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Um, but it's been a, it's been a really rewarding experience, both, both teaching and coaching for sure. So I got to say, I guess within five weeks, the, if we need to get a hold of you, we catch you on the golf course or, <laughs> or in a pit it, game somewhere. Yeah. If it ever quits raining. Yes. I will <laughs> absolutely be on the golf course. The weather's driving me crazy, but yeah, I've always told people, even when I got done with coaching people, I would always ask, well, what are you going to do next? And I always would tell them I'm not real hard to find, you know, it's a pretty good chance. It's a golf course. It's a pit game or maybe at a casino, you know, those, <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty predictable. Um, so I, I kind of prepped you for this right before we went on. I'm going to ask you in, in your coaching career, uh, are there, let's go with, are there three coaches that you, you loved coaching against that you had a, 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 not necessarily just a great relationship, but you just enjoyed coaching against them. And are there three guys that maybe if you never had to see them, if you coach again, you never had to see them again on the coaching side, that you wouldn't do it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's such a tough question because you know, it's, you know, I think one of the neat things about coaching in Western Pennsylvania is that, uh, you know, most of us who've done it for a long period of time all kind of know each other. There's a group of us that all, you know, grew up together and, and coached together. I would say probably three of my favorites uh, would be that are all my age group. Bill Swan from Hempfield. Um, he's still doing it. He's a, a dear friend. Danny Holzer from Upper St. Clair. Danny and I went to Alliance together. Danny... We basically were roommates for years up there. And, you know, Tim and I, Tim McConnell, and uh, you know, is certainly one of those guys that, you know, we didn't get to play against each other a whole lot, but Tim and I played against basketball against each other in college, played at Pauline Park, you know, pickup games for years and just became good friends through the years of coaching. Um, I'd say the toughest ones, you know, you know, we always had, just wars with central catholic you know chuck grummy and i would always butt heads but chuck and i became you know i, I consider chuck a friend and, and once we got to know each other uh you know certainly I, he's another person i have a great deal of respect for mark jula was one of the toughest guys to ever coach against uh, uh my first year uh, at armstrong he was the head coach of butler and i had a tremendous respect, amount of respect for him he just his teams were tough and we kind of actually you know, we modeled our program at Plum over, you know, kind of after his Butler teams um, during that time period. And, and you know, that, that's kind of it. You know, I, I, you know, I just enjoyed the competition. You know, the tougher guys to coach against, kind of, you know, the, the better I liked it. Which kind of falls in for you. You didn't like the easy route. You wanted to be, the, you wanted the challenge. You want that to know mm -hmm. that you, you put the work in and now look, here's the result. Yeah, that's, you know, that was it. You know, you know, I always tell people, you know, our years at, at Plum, I, you know, we didn't win a WPL championship. We didn't win a state championship, which is always a regret because I do think we had a couple of teams that were, you know, capable of that and close to that. But, you know, when you're in the same section with, you know, the Penn Hills, Woodland Hills, Centrals, you know, Gateways, Fox Chapels, you know, McKee Sports, that, you know, Franklin Regionals, the schools that we traditionally were in with. And those were grinds, you know, you, you know, those were challenges every single night. I mean, you, you know, you kind of relish that as you as a competitor. And that was kind of, the, you know, why, you know, I, I chose Plum, you know, I, I liked, I liked the idea of trying to, uh, you know, build a program at Plum that could be competitive with those types of schools when, 
you know, quite honestly, they had not had a whole lot of success in their years past. And that was kind of fun to do to see our kids have success against those types of schools. Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, the conference that, or the section that Plum was in during your time was almost a glorified Whippeo playoff because of the amount of competition that you were going. Tuesdays would be, might be Franklin Regional at Plum. Friday would be Penn Hills at Penn Hills. I mean, you're, you're talking teams that are 10 minutes away from each other. No, every, every sport you're involved in. So that rivalry was, and there wasn't a team in the section that wasn't a rival. I mean, when it came yeah. to football, basketball, and baseball, the, the major schools were, it, it was the same, same guys. Yeah. You just saw them in a different uniform for the different sport. Yeah. Um, now, that, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, that was, and that was, that's kind of one of the, I think that's one of the things that I feel bad for the kids today, especially since they've, you know, they went to six classifications here and they've kind of got away from some of those. Uh, you know, you, you made a good point. We were, you know, I think our, our longest trip was McKeesport. Basically, everything else was on a bus for 10, 15 minutes and you were there and the crowds were big. Uh, you know, the, the atmosphere was good, you know, and it, it, you're right, just had that little neighborhood rivalry. And, and it's not quite like that now, but, you know, because uh, the, the sections have changed, the classifications have changed and people are kind of bouncing all over the place. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was tough, but it was a lot of fun. Now, over your, your, your time at Plum, is there a group of players that stand out to you? Is there a team that stands out to you? There's several. I, I've, it's funny. I think I got asked, you know, a, f a few days ago, it wasn't a couple of weeks ago that they said, you know, who's your all time, who's your, who's your best five. And I, I laughed. I said, I have no idea. I said, but once I started thinking about that, I said, I would, I would put our five in the 17 years that we had up against pretty much anybody's five, maybe with the exception of the Shenley team with DJ Kennedy, DeWan Blair, and, and that, you know, we're, we're we're, we're not, we'll not go there, but you know, we have that seems a whole different, that's a whole different animal. We're not, we're not going down that route. We'll be realistic there. But our problem was we never had our five on the same team. They were always four or five years apart. But when you go down, you know, we had Nolan Kressler who played at Vanderbilt, Mike McKee who played at Kent. And I'm not talking play, I'm talking starred, started on these teams and played on NCAA tournament teams. You know, uh, Carla Durazio played on the Pitt Big East teams. You know, uh, James Edwards just got done at the air force academy in the mountain west you know then then you don't even talk about the bobby franklins you know the john cooks the matt magnusons you know you know and i'm probably forgetting you know several over the you know the 2010 team that we had that won the section title that you know you ask about one of your that's one of my favorite teams i've ever coached because they weren't supposed to win no and that was the smart that was the smartest basketball team that i've ever coached in my life you know we we won 18 we were 18 and four and won the section championship and we probably won 16 of those games that were one to two possession games that we just always won because the kids were 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 so smart you know so it, it was you know we had so many good kids so many good teams that you know the memories are you know as you get older i've never been one of those reflective type of people i always have my eyes looking forward but you know now you know as i'm getting close to being you know retiring also from teaching you do tend to look back a little bit now and you know, boy, we had some special kids. And I always, I, I just got done having this conversation with my sister was up visiting this weekend. We were talking about uh, basketball. And I said, it's amazing to me that kids from Plum, you name any, you know, historical gym in the United States, 
on the collegiate level, whether it's Poly Pavilion, Cameron, the Dean Dome, you know, Rupp Arena, Madison Square Garden, you know, Fog Allen Field, or whatever. Kid, a kid from Plum has played in those in those gyms, you know, and that to me uh, says everything that you know our kids got the experience to chase their dreams uh, through a sport that you know I, I I love, and that to me is that's that's the best part of all of it. And then the last question before we wrap up the coaching side of Coach Richards. Mm -hmm. um, so you you hosted you hosted camps yearly when you were coaching. What was the goal when you so you had youth camps and you had the older kids camps? What was mm -hmm. the goal when you had the youth kids in versus when you had the the guys that were maybe you know middle schoolers getting ready to get, jump into that? What high school basketball really becomes? Well, for the young kids, you know, we, we'd have them there in the summer all the time. It was always about, you know, first of all, you want them to like the game and enjoy the game. So you want to make it fun so that they'll come back and, and you know, have a positive experience. But then, you know, you want to start teaching them skills, you know, skills mm -hmm. and fun. Our, you know, we all, you know, we spent countless amount of hours developing skills and fundamentals of Plum because we kind of knew at Plum we were never going to have an abundance of players like some of those other schools that we had to compete against. So we had to be really, really skilled. So we focused, you know, on that. And it's kind of, as they got older and kind of progressed through the program through the elementary years, to the junior high years, we just would kind of add on to that skill set, you know, and just try to develop and as they went through. And I think that's one of the things that we did do a really good job of at our at our school was developing those kids skill sets through the years. If, if you put the time in, and you came to our off-season workouts, you were going to get better. And uh, I think that was, you know, reflective in how many kids we went, you know, had played college basketball, not just on the Division One level, but, you know, through Division Two and Division Three. I mean, we had well over 20 play, you know, some mm -hmm. sort of college because they had the skill set to do it. Well, Coach, we've come to that time. We're going to take a break. i got to send it to the only store in Bethany, West Virginia, Chambers General Store. Uh, if they don't have it, you don't need it. It's on the back of a t-shirt. If you're in Bethany, you can get that t-shirt. If you're not in Bethany, go to their Facebook page. They have a phone number and I believe you can order it directly from the uh, Facebook page. They also have daily lunch specials, soups and soups of the day. He, he'll make you a cold cut. And if you're doing a home improvement project, you can buy the saw, the screws, the hammers, everything you need right above the deli. Um, this is coach Ron Richards. Now, uh, about to be retired and, and living the living the good life and relaxing. We'll take we're gonna take a break. I'm Carla Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk, and we will be right back. You're watching another exciting episode of Dingo Talk, recorded deep in a hidden lair in Bethany, West Virginia. Or when you visit, make sure you stop by Chambers General Store. Grab one of our hot breakfast sandwiches made fresh all day. Don't forget the biscuits and gravy or one of the daily lunch specials. And if none of that trips your trigger, cold cut sub sandwiches and wraps made fresh all day to your order. Hey, and don't be the only alumni on the block that doesn't have the Chambers. If you, we don't have it, you don't need it t-shirt or the latest edition of the Bethany, West Virginia shroom capital of the world in the psychedelic green hey now back to you carlo what's going on chuckleheads i am carlo guadalino this is dingo talk my guest ron richards now pia official and uh getting ready to retire former plum basketball head basketball coach 
Coach, so as I pointed out, you are the former coach at Plum. What led into, so you walk away from coaching, what led into wanting to become an official? Well, that's been, that's been one of the questions I've been asked several times since I, I did that because uh, I don't think anyone saw that coming, nor did I, to be honest with you. I, you know, I got out of coaching in, in 2017 at relatively young age. Yeah, I bet, you know, it was just one of those deals. I kind of knew that, you know, I, 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 I was ready to be done, and, but I wanted to do something else. And I always tell people, and, I, and, I'm, and it sounds like I'm making fun of myself, and it kind of is, you know, I, I needed to keep busy in the winter. I have never had a winter off because I've literally been involved in the game of basketball since I was a little kid. And with all that said, I have an extremely limited skill set. Um, so, you know, I started to think, all right, well, what am I going to do? And, you know, I started to think about being a basketball official. You know, one, it keeps me busy in the winter. Two, I feel like I do understand the game. Um, I, I like to be active. Um, and I, I have a great appreciation for how much time the you know the coaches and players put into it so i thought you know well let's give it a shot if i'm if i'm good enough to do it i'll do it if i'm awful at it i will step aside immediately and (laughs) kind of how i i I got involved in it so um at knowing your coaching style and and uh some of the infamous battles that you verbal battles that you had with officials has there ever been since you started officiating has that shoe gone on the other foot a little bit where a coach just is in your ear the whole game and you're just you're just kind of <laughs> like all right coach I heard you I heard you uh you know yes but I get a lot more of now you know you know Ron if you were still coaching you'd be upset with this I get that from a lot of coaches well, I'll have them say to me, well, what, what, what would you have done in this situation? I kind of just laugh and I say, well, whatever I would have done in this situation, you would be very wise to do the opposite of what, <laughs> I, um, you know, because I, I was hard on officials. Anybody who knows me knows, you know, understands that. But what I will say is that, you know, first of all, a lot of the officials that I had run in run-ins with, I've worked with now. Mm-hmm. And it's been amazing to me how receptive and open um, they were to helping me out when I, you know, I jumped into this because, you know, you know, I told them, you know, don't cut me any breaks, you know, don't, don't, you know, you know, move me along at a pace that you think I'm ready for. Don't give me any special attention because, you know, I, just because I, I can tell you this, just because you played coached or did whatever your basketball background is, does not guarantee that you are going to be a good official. And whatever you think you know about basketball as a coach, you'll find out quickly when you become an official. Yeah, you really didn't know as much as you thought you did. And uh, I found that out uh, quickly. But most of my interaction with coaches has been, 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 you know, really good, you know, because, you know, I, I understand what, you know, what they, how much time they put into it. And, you know, I'm respectful of that. And certainly I think I have a lot of patience as an official because you're going to have to cross multiple lines for me to, reprimand you because uh i get it would be the best way to describe it you understand the passion that's behind the the and the emotion of the game yes absolutely now you're not only officiating basketball games now you've gotten to the point you're you're now officiating lacrosse you're doing some other things yep have a girls lacrosse game today at four o'clock what uh why why the expansion into other other sports just wanting to continue to be an official and that helps improve 
being an official well, or is it well actually it's it's a little bit of both the big problem is they don't have enough officials anymore um you know uh when, you know, the same guys that got me into basketball uh, also do girls lacrosse and they you know two years ago you know they said to me hey you know why don't you look into this we really need officials it's a fun sport to officiate um you know uh, give it a shot and I, you know and i told them listen i don't know anything about lacrosse you know and i'm not going to do something you know because i respect what the girls do and same with the coaches that i'm not going to put myself out there in a position of of not being knowledgeable enough that it's it's not fair to the kids so i you know, went through the process, trained, did all the tests, learned as much as I could about it. And then I again told the assigners it the same way. Listen, do not put me out there till I, you know, I'm ready. And um, it's been awesome. I, the girls are great. Uh, the coaches are great. The sport's fun. Um, they need officials. Uh, you know, I, I, you just don't see many young officials uh, anymore in any of the sports because a lot of people, one, don't have the time to do it. And probably another thing is they don't have the, uh, you know, they just don't want to deal with some of the things that come with it. You have to be fairly uh, thick skinned, you know, I would say. And I don't know how many young people right now are willing to or have that type of background that they're, you know, they're equipped to handle that. So, you know, it's just something else to do to, again, to keep active, stay busy. I'm not good with downtime. So, you know, it, that's, that's probably the main reason why I'm doing that. Now, um, you answered my, <laughs> I was going to ask you, what do you think led into, the the drop in officials but you you covered that um you you announced that in five weeks you're getting ready to 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 end your teaching career as well and retire why now what was the what factored into um this is now the time that i'm, I'm just gonna I, I've, I've i'm it's time to wrap it up well yeah, i've been doing it for 33 years you know um we're, you know, we're lucky enough, you know, right now we're, we're healthy. My wife and I, my wife teaches at North Allegheny. Um, she has a couple more years left. That's kind of the dream scenario. She has to work a few more years while I'm retired. Um, but I, you know, honestly, it's kind of the same reason why I got out of coaching when I did, because, you know, I, there's other things I want to enjoy in my life. You know, I always, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, the old man that I actually am, but there are a lot of things I would like to do um, with my life. And I don't want to wake up and, and, you know, be 80 and say, you know, well, I never took the time to do those types of things. So, you know, it's, it's you know, it's why I gave up coaching when I did, because I wanted to have my summers uh, a little bit more free because I literally spent my entire summers for all my life coaching basketball. And I, you know, wanted to go on some trips. I wanted to go on golf trips with my buddies. I, you know, I always had to pass on those before. And it's kind of where I am with teaching now. You know, I have plenty of years in. It's just time to go experience some other things while I'm still young enough to enjoy it. Um, as a fan, you got to you got to watch this this fall. You got to, you were you were at the ACC championship game. You were at the bowl game, correct? Yep. What did you feel from a fan's point of view was special about this pit team? <laughs> uh it was minus kenny pitted and the, the fake slide or whatever you want to call that but i am a uh self self-proclaimed pit diehard there's not many of us and that acc championship game was 40 years of frustration uh finally going out the window it was kind of funny even when they had the gary Callitz pit pick six 
was the first time everybody in the stadium still all looked at each other and felt like this is actually going to happen. You know, <laughs> you know even when they went up, I think by, you know, two scores or even three scores, everyone in, you know, late in the third quarter being a pit fan, you still, it's, I said, it's always like being a penguin pit fan before they won the Stanley cups. You, you just still figure you would try to, you still knew there was a scenario in your head that they could still lose this, yes. you know, and, that night was just a, you know, just a lot of fun. And, you know, there were so many pit fans down there and to see, you know, as a pit fan, so many people enjoying that moment, and especially the players, you know, we were lucky enough to be on the field after the game um, and, and hang out with them and just see the sheer joy in the coaches staff and the players and the support staff. It was just a, it was a, just a good day for, for a pit fan. So I guess that you're, you're not in the, in the camp that Kenny Pickett's hands are too small to play quarterback. Huh? No, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to, uh, Kenny Pickett is, I think Kenny Pickett is going to be a very good pro, you know, and I, I've been on the Kenny Pickett bandwagon, you know, at a very, you know, his, you know, from the get go, I know he had some struggles there, you know, but he, you know, he didn't have a whole lot around him the first couple of years. The kid took a beating, always got, I mean, people don't realize the beating that kid took a couple of the, you know, his, his sophomore year, his, even his junior year, but uh, yeah. He's a competitor. He's, I put it this way. You would lose a lot of money betting against Kenny Pickett. <laughs> so to the back to your, to the sport that you were involved in, and I just want to get your perspective. So the transfer portal, obviously going on in, in, in the college sports world. Um, do you think that that factors into why Pitt's basketball team has struggled lately is because it's, and, and you, you pointed out the thick skin thing, for for kids and, and athletes now um do you think that maybe factors in is maybe jeff capel has a little bit of an older style of coaching and that's why we're seeing this every year it seems mass exodus from people i mean i i, I don't know how they do it. i have several you know i have, i have several friends that you know you know still coach in college and it, it's the portal's nuts i don't know how they do it i mean you basically have to re-recruit your team every year um i'm sure there's tampering that goes on um you, you know you don't you know i it, it, i don't think people understand just how deep this goes because the portal has opened up just a big can of worms now i i do think it's a good idea like i, I mean the idea behind it like listen if you're stuck behind something like i always joe burrow's a great situation you know there's a kid that you know, stuck behind somebody, mm -hmm. go to LSU, works out perfectly for him. But what you don't hear about are the kids who put themselves into the portal and then you never hear from them again or can't find, and they're giving up that scholarship. Um, and then it just doesn't quite work out for them. Then you take it even a step further and the high school kids, there's fewer scholarships available for these high school kids now because so many of these schools are recruiting portal kids, mm -hmm. you know, they have something on film playing against you know that type of level so the trickle down to that uh i don't know how they i don't know how they do it and to answer your question it does make it you know easily accessible to if things aren't going well um you know you have to you know you, you have an easy out I, I was reading a quote yesterday like somebody was talking tom Izzo was talking about something clark kellogg had said about you know development or he was talking about planting a flower and it needs a little bit of water needs a little bit of sun you know meaning it's not always going to be great you know 
to get to that end game or to get where you might get to, you're going to have to face some adversity. And if you just give everybody an out, you know, at the first sign of adversity, what are you teaching? Yeah. You're, you're teaching them that if this doesn't work out for you, you can leave and go somewhere else and it might. And that you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the amount of Joe Burrows that have been successful in the portal are is probably I'm sure that number is way less than the probably five, 600 kids a year that go into that portal that you never hear about again. I mean, they just kind of fizzle out or they don't go anywhere. I mean, they, they end up at a, at an IUP at a clarion or somewhere like that because the scholarships aren't there or it just didn't work out. Yeah, no, you hit it on the head there that the people that actually never get the scholarship again, you know, they get some bad advice, they jump in the portal, all of a sudden, guess what? You know, there's nothing there for me, you know, and I, people don't, people don't look at that. Check the portal for football in August, you know, and see the kids that all have put their name in there and see how many are there. Or like you said, had to transfer down. And, you know, when you start going to the division two level, you know, that's the area that I've, you know, I've, you mentioned IUP, the head football coach and head basketball coach at IUP are both very, very good friends of mine. Those are not fully funded programs. No. You, know, you're, you know, you're, you know, they have scholarships, but it's not too many of those kids that are on full scholarship, you know. Well, and, and the, you, you brought up an interesting point about the tampering side of it. We've almost opened that whole can of worms at the same time, because now with the, um, the I think it's the NILs, right? You're allowed to <laughs> name and image licensing and all that. And you have these people, you have college kids that are getting millions of dollars or well, maybe not millions of dollars, but they're getting sponsored. They're getting money um, in a, in a whole league. Doesn't matter what sport you're talking about that. And I'll bring up the, the name that pops to my head. Every time I think of this, Reggie Bush, you took a Heisman away from a guy <laughs> because his parents lived in a house that was paid for by an alumni. And now that's an accepted thing, but he doesn't, He's not the highest. He doesn't get his Heisman back. Nobody before gets there. You know, I bet you SMU probably feels a certain type of way about being able to pay people to come to school as well. <laughs> yeah. Or one of our Western Pennsylvania's best, one of the best athletes I've ever seen in my years, Terrell Pryor at Ohio State. You know, Terrell is, I mean, he, I, I never saw anybody's gifted in, in multiple sports. And, that, you know, I feel bad for the kid. He's, you know, he's basically a villain in Columbus now. And, you know, t- today he would be the tattoo thing. Yeah, it wouldn't even be a story. Really, right. Selling some memorabilia. Are you kidding me? You know, I, I you know, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't get it. I, I'm, I'm happy for the kids, but they have to figure out a way somehow to regulate it. Yeah. Um, or, as, you know, college, you know, that the power five that they, however they refer to it, there, it's going to, there's going to be some major changes in this in the next I, I, less than five years because the new TV contracts coming up with the Big Ten and ACC. I mean, Big Ten and SEC, this, those are going to be real game changers. Yeah. Um, so at, we talked about the, the divisions and the differences. As, a, as someone that deal, that's dealt with students, if a student came to you and said, I want to keep playing basketball in college, or I want to play football, or I want to play baseball. And maybe they're realistic in their minds. Like, I, I clearly am not going to go D1. Why should they continue to still look at Division II, Division III, NAIA? Um, what, what, what is the draw to a smaller school like that? Because obviously, like you said, 
the programs aren't fully funded. There's not as much money there to be to help with the education side. Oh, that, that's a great question. But, you know, and I think the first thing is, if you have a passion for that sport, go do it. You're only going to get four more years to play it. You're going to work the rest of your life. If you're fortunate enough to have the opportunity to play a sport that you love for another four years, that's great because you are in the overwhelming minority of individuals that are even capable of doing that, regardless of what level you're playing at division three or division two. And those are special, those are special athletes. You know, you know, those kids, you know, it's, it's just important to them as it is for the division one athlete. Okay. And I, I think, you know, when we would take our players, you know, you know, on a visit and a lot of times I would go with them, you know, you on that level, you know, the first thing I'd always advise the kid is listen, take a look around and ask yourself the question. If I'm, if in a year from now, if I'm no longer playing this sport, would I still go to this school? And if the answer to that question is yes, then that's where you want to go because the division three level and even the division two level, um, the academic rigors are, you know, they're, they're legitimate. You don't have the same type of support staff that you have on the division one level um, in a lot of those places. And, you know, especially at the division three level, you're going to be taking uh, some courses and, and you're going to be challenged. It's going to be tough to balance those two, two things. And I think that's why a lot of times you'll see, on the division three, three level, especially they'll recruit fairly large classes in each sport because they know there's going to be attrition over the years because kids are going to get in there and decide, eh, you know what, the, the, after weighing the academic load versus the athletic side of things, maybe let's focus a little bit more on the academic side of things. And that's why you see typically through the years in division three, you know, if they bring in six or seven or eight or nine freshmen, which, you know, that'll happen a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, you might be lucky to have three of them by the time they're seniors and yeah when you get to senior day you're right, seeing three right, guys come out right. maybe and one of those guys is more than likely or more often than not one of those guys either got hurt and ended up that's how they they were allowed to finish out their time because it wasn't it was unforeseen or they stuck it out but they've and the, the turnover in coaches as well i mean that's right and that's something we see highlighted at the major level when you know you get recruited by a coach but then another job comes along and that coach leaves. What does that do for the player? Cause you're, you, you were recruited by that guy or that, that girl. Right. Um, so lastly, we're going to say congratulations on your retirement. Enjoy. Uh, maybe this summer we'll, we'll get, I'll get you down to Morgantown or we'll get you somewhere. We'll get, we'll meet up. We'll get on the golf course together. I, I'll, maybe I'll bring Emmerich and Plunkett. We can have an old, <laughs> an old club reunion. Yes, I would enjoy that. That would be great. Uh, this has been Ron Richards, uh, history teacher. Yeah, history at, yep. at Plum High School, former Plum basketball coach, now PIA official. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. All you have to do is type in Dingo Talk. Also on YouTube, you can see this interview. Um, we're here every Thursday. Coach, one, one last time, thank you for stopping by and taking time out of your day. Good luck today at the game at four. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. I did as well. Um, so we'll see you next week, Chuckleheads, 10 a.m. on YouTube. Check next week. You want to know by now. You want to know by now.